everyone. Welcome back to American Lacey. I hope you all are having a good day and thank you for listening. Today I will be interviewing my friend Alina. We met through Weave. Hi everyone, my name is Alina. I work for an organization called Weave as a community educator and youth advocate. So my first question is, what is Weave and what is your role? So WEAVE is Sacramento's primary rape crisis center, and as an agency, our mission is to promote safe and healthy relationships and support survivors of sex trafficking, sexual assault, and domestic violence. However, I like to call it intimate partner violence, and we'll get into that about why I call it that rather than domestic violence, but it's kind of an overarching agency in Sacramento that their main mission is when everyone acts, violence ends. And we provide multilingual services for all relationships, all ages, all genders, all people, all the time. And we're basically just in the community out supporting folks who need resources and just really building that community support, whether it's through a safe house, prevention education, counseling. We're just really here to provide that support for our community. Yes, we use an amazing organization. And then to touch on my role, um, as I mentioned, I'm a community educator and youth advocate. So that looks like I'm embedded in K through 12 schools here in Sacramento. I am embedded at three schools specifically, a elementary school, a middle school, and a high school. And primarily my job looks like being that support system on their campus for them. If either students themselves have faced sexual assault, domestic violence, teen dating violence, intimate partner violence, or experience sex trafficking, I'm someone as a confidential resource for them on campus to talk to, to be able to name their experience, to understand what resources are available to them here in Sacramento. And I also primarily do prevention education, which looks like teachers inviting me into their classrooms and letting me talk to young folks about what consent is, what uh, how to support a survivor if a friend discloses, what asking for boundaries in a friendship or relationship can look like, and really just providing that comprehensive prevention education to help our young folks become the amazing humans with amazing healthy relationships that they deserve. Thank you so much. Number two, what made you want to get involved with the Weave organization? Yeah, so I always say my introduction to prevention education and just the whole knowledge around providing resources and names to experiences really started really young for me, but I didn't have the name to understand that as prevention education. Um, I was always the one in my house to question whenever my mom would say, put on some more clothes, your boy cousins or your brothers are going to be home. I would always be the one to point that out and be like, why? Like, why do I have to do that? I'm home. Those are my family members. Why should I have to do that? And there's many other examples I have from my life where I was doing this work, but I didn't know I was doing the work um, until I got to college where I was I still am very thankful to have that experience as a first-generation college student of my family, um, where I was walking through a club fair that was happening at my college, and I walked by this one booth, 
it was the Center for Advocacy, Resources, and Education, which is a sexual violence prevention resource on my college campus. And I walked by it, didn't know what that meant. It was kind of a loaded name. It was like, oh, okay, cool, kept walking. But then my body had a reaction that was like, you need to go back. Like I always say, my intuition was pulling me, my life path was telling me to stop walking away, um, to turn around and go to this table. And so I went to that table and I interned all four years at the Sexual Violence Prevention Center at my college. And I fell in love with the work. It felt so healing for my own journey, being able to name and understand my own experiences through childhood, through my first relationships in life. It really just gave me that chance to deep dive into my healing journey and to understand myself and to feel empowered with this knowledge and also motivated to support others in my life, motivated to give out all this knowledge that I gave and something I wanna keep doing throughout my life. And so as I was getting ready to graduate, I knew that my journey through sexual violence prevention, especially prevention education was not done just at my college level. And so I started to look around in local nonprofits to find what job openings there was. And thankfully, I found Weave and I was super excited walking in through the doors, seeing messages like when everyone acts, violence ends, seeing that the curriculum and the messaging, the interviewing process wasn't so gendered. It was very open. They were admitting to wanting to be more inclusive, to wanting to fully support the community and their employees in amazing ways. And I just felt so aligned with wanting to get involved here. And it really motivated me to expand my support to community level rather than just my college bubble that I was in last year. Wow, that's that's amazing. Thanks for sharing. And yeah, no, I agree with what you said from the beginning about how like why like why should I put on more clothes with mm -hmm. while you're like you're doing the work before you even started. Yeah. And I think that's important to acknowledge that every small action we make does make a larger impact yeah right like we see subliminal messaging or ways we tell certain people with certain bodies the way they look that they have to do the work themselves rather than acknowledging that it's a societal it's a community issue sexual violence or sexual harassment any form of harm it should never be in that person's position to stop the violence that's happening towards them that's what I love about prevention education because we frame it more so as a public health issue, a community issue, right. rather than making that person have to change what they're doing or not go certain places or yes. other kinds of things like that. That's very true. Okay, so on to question number three. Why is it important to, edu to educate young children about consent? Yeah, I think consent is a super important topic to talk about with our young folks, along with everything else that we talk about. But consent specifically is, I think, our society, where we live in, we only think about consent when it comes to specifically sexual stuff. So of course, when people think of consent, they're either thinking, to ask someone to have sex or consent for like pictures or something like that. And so when talking to young folks about consent, 
I think it's super important is because at the end of the day, they're humans like an adult is, right? And so starting that conversation of consent with young folks is super important because it gives them that sense of bodily autonomy, that they deserve to listen to their intuition. They deserve to listen to their body when they feel uncomfortable, when they don't want to do something and really tuning into those feelings and acknowledging them and acting on them. So something I always like to tell the young folks when I'm working with them is that consent, it's a big picture thing, right? It covers from you wanting to give someone a high five to you wanting to hug your family members, to asking your crush if they want to kiss, if they want to go to the dance with you. Consent is really an overarching term in my eyes. And I think it's super important to educate our young kids is because they're navigating life, right? They're learning, they're digesting media, they're seeing examples in their everyday life. So if we don't give them the concrete understanding of consent is asking for permission, listening to the answer and respecting the answer you get, we kind of set them up for failure to either perpetuate harm or to experience harm if they never know that they deserve to say no. Yeah, no, no means no, very, very important. (laughs) So my next question is, what is rape culture? Yeah, so rape culture is where violence is normalized and perpetuated through language, objectification, behaviors, attitudes towards people where there's this unknown agreement with a power dynamic in our community, in our cultures, in our societies where rape culture is perpetuated through the things that we say to people whether it's you shouldn't be wearing that, um, you're gonna get unwanted attention. So putting that blame on the victim or the survivor rather than calling out those behaviors in our culture. Uh, We can see rape culture through our media, through the songs, right? Through conversations with friends, right? Saying jokes about someone's appearance, the way they look. Maybe if a friend is sexually active, commenting on their activity, right? Like saying, oh, they're easy to get with or this, this, and that. And although we may think they're just statements, they can add up to really big violence, right? 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 Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, I read that people always say like, oh, like it was just a statement. Why are you so sensitive? It was just, it was just a joke, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a joke, but it's like, or just like the statement, like he finally pulled the trigger, like made a decision. Mm-hmm. So things that are casually in our language that are like, even the way that men in movies and stuff talk about um, how they get like, I nailed that. Oh, I, right. Or I, I just hit that. I just yeah. hit that. Like mm-hmm. those are vi- nail and hit, like those are violent yeah. acts and, and they're, like and also like it's not just men it's like our culture like Mm -hmm. like be a man don't cry you know and also like women want men to be manly right and if they're not manly sometimes the judgment isn't from other men it's from other women like like oh he's not tough enough i want a man who can take care of me right but it's like you're both human you can take care of each other that internalized misogyny even whether or not it's in a man, man identifying, male identifying, or even just in women, non-binary folks, right, it's right. so ingrained in right, us like because mass, yeah. yeah, because we've grown up with this understanding of those structured gender expectations, right. and it's, especially how it's correlated yeah, to rape culture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's why the gender binary, which means like. 
that gender, there's only two genders. That's the concept of the gender binary, just very ingrained in our culture. And the other question I wanted to ask you is that, like, what's the difference between flirting and harassment? Like, that, yeah. like, because flirting couldn't be kind of aggressive, like, damn, you're hot, mm-hmm. or like, I would hit, like, you're a 10, I would totally nail you. Or, yeah. or like, you know, I feel like these are statements I hear. I mean, like, I, the, 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 the TV shows and yeah. just like in our society and stuff. Yeah, and I think talking about that really talks about why it's so important to talk to our young kids about consent, about rape culture, about harassment versus flirting. Because when we're thinking about wanting to flirt with someone, and I know right now on TikTok it's really popular to say like Riz, like if you want to have Riz, if you want to flirt with someone, it's got to be mutual and wanted, right? It's those compliments where someone feels safe they feel comfortable to tell you oh actually i don't like you that way right when we're thinking about harassment we're thinking about that power dynamic that it's deeply ingrained in rape culture deeply ingrained in sexual violence in all of that where harassment feels uncomfortable it feels unsafe you feel like you have to engage with this person overall for your safety as a person um One example I can give is to know the difference between harassment versus flirting is you're never going to flirt with a random stranger that you see walking on the side of the road, right? You're not going to throw out these comments, these compliments, and that person is not going to feel like, oh my gosh, I feel so flattered. That person is just walking on the side of the road. They're just trying to get to the store. They're trying to get to school. They're trying to get to work. They're not expecting someone to be giving them compliments at that moment. So that's going to be harassment, catcalling saying vulgar things about someone flirting is where someone feels safe in that moment it's not a power dynamic right that's why i feel like when you have some sort of friendship with the person Mm -hmm. like you won't feel as unsafe when they compliment you or make a move because you already feel have that comfortability of friendship yeah and even if it isn't a friend like i agree with you where friendship makes it that comfortability But also if it's a stranger, like if you're trying to give someone a compliment in the grocery store or the bar, just being able to understand body language and the actual language they're telling you, right? Yeah, so really listening to the answer. Right, it's listening and accepting. Mm -hmm. And knowing that just because someone doesn't want to flirt with you doesn't mean you have the right to convince them, right? right? Like, no doesn't mean convince me. Right. It means no. Yeah. Right, right, right. So flirting could also not just apply to sex. It could apply. It applies to, like, flirting, mm-hmm. personal space, yeah. hugging. So consent is a broad category. It oh, doesn't yeah. just apply to it's any human. Like, if you respect the other human, you'll respect their boundaries. Yeah, and especially with young kids and children, when we're thinking about expanding that idea of consent and motivating parents caregivers whoever engages with children to talk about consent with them it's as simple as if you don't want to give your grandma a hug it's okay not to give your grandma a hug right that's why a lot of people think it's only for sex but it's about listening to your body listening to your emotions no i remember my therapist telling me like if i don't want to give someone a hug i don't have to and i remember someone um uh, that was the first time I heard that. I was like, if I don't feel like hugging someone, I don't have to. Right. Like, what is this concept? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I love my job because a lot of kids, they're getting so many ideas where they don't have that 
agency of their own body, right? Like I totally get parents um, wanting to make sure their children is safe because until they're 18, that's their role as a parent, right? Um, and after, of course, parents, if they hear this, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? But like, <laughs> like your whole life. Yes, like your whole life. But like when it comes to making decisions for them, right, making yeah. sure they're doing this, this, and that. Right, like their school or yes, feeding yes. them, all that stuff. Under 18, they're more responsible. Exactly. But when we're thinking about consent, we're thinking about helping that child, helping your child learn the ways that they can make decisions for them that feel safe to them at the same point. Because it's your child, but they experience life on their own, right? Um, and so that's why I love working with them. Because I do hear kids where they're like, what? I don't have to hug someone? And you see the light bulb go off where they're like, wow, I can set a boundary? What's a boundary? You know, like <laughs> being able to talk with them about that. Right. That's amazing. That's yeah. so, I love what you do. That's really cool. So my next question is, what in our culture and media contributes to rape culture? I think the question should be, what doesn't? Because (laughs) there's a lot. Um, But not to uh, say everything is a problem, because it's not okay to view life that way, right? Um, I just think there's a lot, you know. Um, Prevention education, it has been something that has been in the field for quite a while, but When we're thinking about rape culture, it is so deeply ingrained with the patriarchy, with privilege, with ideas that certain people, races, ethnicities, cultures, gender identities, sexualities, have more power over others, right? Right. And so we see that in a lot of things, whether it's statements we make, behaviors, the way we treat people, the way movies portray relationships and right away I can think of like how you mentioned earlier like boys don't cry or be a man right Right. talking about so I was like patriarchy yeah men are are the strongest and they should be at the top yeah and then so when a man or male identifying person is a survivor they have those statements deeply ingrained in their mind and they start to invalidate their own experience right they start to feel like they cannot be survivors of sexual assault right. because they're supposed to be the strong ones, right. right? They're supposed to be the ones that are going after people, trying to flirt with them, date them. Like they're the ones in power. And so when they do experience something that goes against that internalized um, agreement they have of right. their identity, it's hard for them to accept that they are a survivor, right? right? Whether right. or not they want to claim that it makes them feel like they shouldn't seek support and I think that's why I love weave so much of making sure we're very clear about that we support everyone because violence doesn't view that gender binary like violence impacts everyone and everyone deserves support and to be told like I believe you right Right? yeah Yeah. like I believe you and yeah and then the men that's harder for men to come forward because they have that stigma and there is a statement I've heard that men can't get raped like yeah, but oh. that's not that's very false and I, yeah. what I love about weave is that it doesn't just support men and women it supports mm-hmm. non everyone in the LGBT yeah. community trans non-binary everyone so people will be like if someone who's non-binary or someone who doesn't have traditional pronouns calls in if they hear they're respected that will make them feel better and also that like 
that in we that we educate our like I'm in PCT training. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah. That like educate everyone about different cultures because yeah. I know with certain cultures like that um, that it's harder to navigate some of these things because there is a bit of like everything stays in the family yeah. and like not everything there's there's like a lot of privacy and protection mm-hmm. because everyone is very worried about what people think and that's because you especially I feel like if you come from a different country to America mm-hmm. and you're around you want to be connected with your community and if you fear by them knowing something about your identity you could be alienated from your community yeah. so I understand like why you would do that but it's like some things mm-hmm. like if someone is treating you unjustly or if you're going through something like just very terrible it's okay to seek help yeah. you know it's okay to reach out outside resources and I feel like there's a lot of shame and guilt yeah, yeah. but that's all whatever anyone feels is okay but because yeah. there's so much to our culture and also it's like I wanted to ask you like how would you because I feel like people use the word privilege a lot mm-hmm. and someone asked me like once how to how would I define privilege and I wasn't really sure how to explain that because privilege is not just male privilege mm-hmm. there's privilege financial privilege like not having a disability able-bodied privilege like there's so many but I think when people hear that word they get triggered because they yeah. think it's like it's saying that oh you're better than me mm-hmm. like men like saying to a man you're privileged is like oh you think men are better yeah but or that, like that statement of like you don't think I've worked hard to get where I'm at yeah so how would you define privilege yeah I think that is something I constantly always think about as well because I feel like anytime that word is thrown people automatically react or try to justify what they've been through in life and so when I'm thinking about that word privilege I mainly think of big picture ideas of having access, recognition, and at the end of the day, kind of applause for being who you are as a person, right? Right. So that mentality of you get what you get. How do I frame this? Like, I don't want to minimize because people go through things, right? Right, People experience traumas. We experience hardships in yeah. life and that's the thing everyone yeah. has trauma that's why people like mm-hmm. don't always act kindly because they're hurting yeah. doesn't make it okay for them to hurt exactly people. right um, but but the, the, that's about their pain is valid exactly but bottom line i think it's having access applause and recognition for I, what you do in life based on who you are yeah who you yeah, are no, how I, you look yeah, you know like those yeah, bottom yeah. things like you can be a hard worker 100 percent but at the end of the day, someone who does not come from privileged identities is going to have to work 10 times harder to even be seen in the same light right. as you. Like, you know? like, for example, like the example that I like to use is like for disability versus mm-hmm. ability, like mm-hmm. accommodations level at the playing field in a sense. But so it's like both people are on the same level. So you can compete in the same arena as everyone else. So it's like in one of my sociology classes they use like boxes Mm -hmm. like a shorter person needs more boxes oh yeah yeah, a tall person doesn't need any boxes Mm -hmm. a medium-sized person needs one box so it's like if you have like a disability if you're a person of color you just have extra boxes extra obstacles to face that doesn't make you less or more Mm -hmm. like we're all equal every human deserves love and everything but I think like if you think of it if people thought of privilege in that sense, mm-hmm. or just like you need to 
jump through more hoops yeah. to get to what you want versus another person where it's like I took 10 or 9 years to graduate because of all my disabilities right. and health problems yeah. because I had more hoops to jump through and all my colleges that I went to didn't always accommodate me and that's not my fault but that was the situation I was put in so that's why it took me so long but I think I just want to explain yeah. privilege because I feel like I've been asked multiple times like mm-hmm. what does that mean like yeah, and right. that's a loaded word and mm-hmm. I feel like when people say it's loaded they don't really understand what it means yeah and I think also like how you're saying the different hoops that people have to jump through something I always like to say is like when we're thinking about hard work right at the end of the day those are qualities of someone right and yes you worked hard to get where you're at but let's look at the resources you had like maybe you met the right person maybe you were friends with this person because you lived in this neighborhood right and that's a resource and that's a privilege to be able to have met that person to be able to get you where you need to be right. you know yes yeah and yeah back to <laughs> yeah back, we'll go back to back to <laughs> a little tangent a little basically that like when people are we recognize that there's some people have more privilege mm-hmm. and some people have less privilege yeah. and when you don't have like like LGBT or trans and you have to jump through hoops we recognize this stuff oh, yeah. and supports you and I know that even from like volunteering and working mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. as like going through the interview process taking the class that like everyone is super accommodating to every need like that you every need and makes you feel very safe and like it like even for me for working there I was worried about being on the hotline and mm-hmm. the chat boxes mm-hmm. but they said that they would provide me resources if yeah. I needed help with that so 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 just like weave is weave basically things about everyone and all all of the dynamics and aspects of our personality and tries to help us and i think that that tries to help people who are going through domestic violence or certain situations and i think that's really beautiful yeah i agree and i wanted to touch on that um because you mentioned like when someone who is part of the LGBT community wants to access resources from Weave, just being very transparent that we are an inclusive and 100% always growing organization, right? And I can speak to my own experience. When I walked into the building for my interview, I was kind of like dipping my toes in different organizations, like getting a feel for each of them. And the moment I walked into the doors of Weave, there's these big banners inside that say their mission statement of when everyone acts violence ends and they say we support all relationships all genders all ages all the time and as someone who currently non-binary but you know life is always growing you're always learning more about yourself um right away that was so affirming to me because another organization i was um, a part of i went through their pct process um it was super gendered, like all the paperwork, everything from examples to guest speakers. They always structured violence as in Men female. Yeah, right. Like so, that's why I don't like using domestic violence because that word's loaded in its own way. Right. Right. Like when you're thinking of the word domestic, you can think of marriage. You can think of in the home. You can think of man, breadwinner, wife who's at home, right? He's like, raising the kids. Exactly. Like that dynamic of domesticity of like male perpetrator, woman survivor. Right. And so that's why I like to use intimate partner violence or intimate relationship violence because it 
broadens that and allows people to be able to see and to hear their experiences, right? Yeah. And that's why I love weed because right away when I saw that walking into my interview, I felt so affirmed and like I can see myself at this organization, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, no, it was very like, yeah. oh. oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> question is what statements do people casually make that are problematic to this culture yeah and I want to add something to rape culture because I can't believe I forgot about this I always talk about this whenever I'm talking to someone about it but I think when we're thinking about rape culture another thing that our media really adds into is this perception of it being a creepy stranger in the bush in the middle of the night right um when we're thinking about rape culture, statements, behaviors, it's that minimization of people's experiences where we know that four out of five people that experience sexual assault, intimate partner violence, sexual harassment, it's from someone they know, they right. love, they, they trust, Yeah, right? so th- because that's when, because obviously when you're walking home alone at night, your guard is up. Like I, whenever I walk anywhere alone, I got my cage and pepper spray, like I'm yeah. on high alert and like, even when I hear footsteps, one time I was <laughs> I was walking and I thought mm-hmm. some creepy person behind me, but it's this nice couple, so I pressed oh. my taser and scared them. Oh, I got no. scared and went to the other side of the street. But like that's my point. It's like I'm already on high alert, so yeah. someone did try to attack me. I probably tased them and went run, <laughs> you know. But it's like if you're with like a close family friend or like an ex partner that you're friends with, your guard is let down because you trust them and you're yeah. comfortable. You're not gonna be like walking around with a taser. Like your like family dinner, <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be really weird, right? Yeah, and like people do experience violence from someone that's a stranger as well, right? Yeah, so right. people can be on guard in public. They can be on alert, but violence can still happen, right? Because right. when we're thinking about violence, it's that power and control dynamic, right. and that's especially true when it comes to people that we know, love, and trust, right? Right. They built that connection with us. They know how to soothe us when we're going through something tough right Right. they know how to be there for us and so we can see these problematic statements and behaviors of oh your boyfriend sexually assaulted you he's my friend i know him he's not that kind of guy right like minimizing someone's experience based on your own personal experience with that person is super problematic because your experience with them is not that person's experience right, with them. Right. Like that person yeah. could never do that. They were my best friend. Right? Like those statements like that, they're said so casually. And I can understand the intention of like not wanting to hold your friend accountable or being scared to be friends with a rapist or right. someone that does those kinds, like that promotes harm. Right. Um, but it's also recognizing that the first person a survivor talks to is super important. Because it totally determines their understanding of their experience. If they go through a turmoil of self-blame, guilt, they're already going through that. And so for you to add on to that by saying, they could have never done that. I know them. That just puts them further in that. That's with anyone you know that's Mm -hmm. like, would you feel like they could never do that? Or or explaining their trauma. Being like, oh, like they were bullied. They Mm -hmm. were this. And it's like, yes, but... Is that okay for them to attack another person? Yeah, holding that accountability, right? Yeah. Like, your lived experiences, 
do not give you a pass to continue to promote that harm, right? Right. Like each and every one of us, we're all on our own healing journey, all trying to understand and find ways to show up for ourselves and others. Right. And so yeah, we like gotta I, be very wary, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. I know that that's why I was gonna say when you said that everyone's going through their trauma or pain or whatever and that's what I truly believe everyone has a story oh, yeah. you know, no one doesn't have a story like everyone has a reason for the way that they are but that doesn't like give us a free pass mm-hmm. to like hurt other humans yeah, right and so like that's why like with those statements like we can reframe those of I'm sorry that happened right, right? what can I do to be here for you right. right like I believe you yeah like saying things like that those statements aren't problematic but the ones where it's like oh that's your boyfriend girlfriend husband partner whoever your relationship to that person is like them using that as an excuse of like you're dating shouldn't you be having sex right or like just because it's like just because it's your husband or mm -hmm. girlfriend or wife it's not right yeah and that that's not and that's the statement that people use is like if it's your husband it's not right right they don't put in all the other other types of partners right Mm -hmm. that already shows how binary the top process is but just because you're in a relationship you don't owe that person sex every day exactly and that's something i really talk with my high schoolers about right of really being transparent with them that a relationship does not equal consent doesn't matter if you've been dating for three days three weeks three months or if you've been married for three years you still deserve your bodily autonomy as a person and your partner should be asking you. It doesn't have to be super robotic like the media puts it of like, can I have sex with you right now, you right. know? Right. Like, but it's as simple as checking in of like, like are I, you comfortable? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I kiss you? You can exactly. The, like, are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And obviously the person wants it. Usually it's one person and then the other person just does it <laughs> yeah you know but but i mean it's it's a body language consent exactly like not just saying it like leaning yeah. if the person like leans away from you you don't be like oh why are you so shy like, exactly like understanding that that's them signaling to you that right. they're uncomfortable yeah something i used to say with the college kids that i used to work with when i was in college is like another example of non-verbal body language that's telling you it's a yes is like if you ask someone hey you want to sleep together or like let's have sex and they're immediately ripping their clothes off that's you knowing that they want to do it right like that's that affirmative like hell yeah let's do this you know <laughs> but of course with the kids i never give that example <laughs> but just knowing that you to trust your intu- i know right they'd be real mad no but like trusting your intuition right and knowing that consent can be learned at any age so that's why i bring up that example right yeah. is that we have not been given this knowledge. I know when I went to high school like six, seven years ago, I, I did not even know anything about this, right? Yeah, I didn't know what consent was. Exactly. We were taught in school. Yeah. And so learning that at like 20 something, I want as many people to be able to know at age appropriate and in dynamic ways what consent can look like. Yeah. No, that's right? very important yeah. consent. And that's the other thing is like, body language and all that stuff mm. that you mentioned yeah. is, is very important like if a person like there's like like that's why I like how um in class they said like enthusiastic mm-hmm. yes like yeah. oh maybe that's still not a yes it's kind of a brush off like yeah. I wouldn't want someone to be like yeah sure right. like I would feel rejected right no I would feel yeah. bad too so my next question is 
what movies and TV shows are problematic to rape culture and what are not problem problematic. So both. Yeah. So we got a few examples that we've been talking about. Um, so just starting off with some problematic, we can see as early as just a few months ago, like SZA's new album, um, especially her song Kill Bill. Like it's probably one of the most used TikTok audios. And we know that young children, they're on TikTok, right? That is their social media. They love being on it. They're constantly. Oh yeah, it's like, I want to kill my ex. Like his girlfriend's next. Like, I don't know like the exact lyrics, but yeah, it's super problematic. Like it's all about like, wanting to kill her ex because he's moved on and then yeah so very much perpetuates that power dynamic right like it's this one's blatantly out there like killing but it can be as subtle as like song lyrics that say like your girl's a bum like your next girl's a bum or your next boyfriend is like just calling out like right yeah like saying wow yeah you're not allowed to be with anyone besides me like big quotes around that but yeah Another song I can think of is, like, when I was a kid, I used to love singing, like, Big Girls Don't Cry. <laughs> I was like, I can't cry. And then now that I'm an adult, I'm like, uh, crying's very therapeutic. Like, that is okay. <laughs> crying is healthy. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we were just talking about, like, a problematic movie being Twilight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Possessiveness of Bella. Yeah, between both of them. Yeah. Like, no, but it's ironic because I love that movie yeah. as a child, and my aunt was like, "This is very problematic." And I was like, I was thinking like, "Oh, she's just being bitter." But now I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, Bella, I don't, yeah. I don't know if I want my kids watching movies like this, right? <laughs> and so something I always tell like the kids when I'm in their classrooms of like, we point out that these are problematic, and at the end of the day, the media. The internet, social media is super unregulated, right? And since a lot of people don't realize how prominent rape culture is, sadly, it's still going to exist in our media, right? Right. But it's super important to be critical about the things we watch. Like for me, I cannot watch Law & Order SVU anymore. And that used to be like my favorite TV show. And I think like that's where I started to get... Oh, why is... I haven't seen that show. Oh, so it's um, Special Victims Unit for Law & Order. It's kind of like a crime perspective on supporting survivors oh however it's super ingrained in rape culture where predominantly all the episodes you watch you're watching are like strangers doing this or like oh it's not people they know yeah or it'll be like you see the physical markers but we know more often than not you can't you don't know. yeah you, you don't know, know right and Just so because someone is assaulted they don't always show exactly battle rooms. exactly and so like i used to love that show but now that i'm working in this field i can't watch it like i tried to put it on the other day and i was like that's wrong no why are you doing this (laughs) and so i just find myself being super critical about what i watch now and making sure that i'm ingesting things that i know are portraying healthy relationships or even if you are questioning something you see on tv do a google search like if you're thinking like was that okay for them to do that or i don't know how i feel about that like looking it up and being like oh that was unhealthy right yeah. that was un- so the next question also to end on like a happier note yes. because this has been a very like very important and very good to talk about this is a very important subject that yeah. we don't always talk about which we should talk about 
um, yeah, that's why I like to talk about stuff on my podcast, but I wanted to end on a lighter note. So let's talk about some of the movies, TV shows, songs that are not problematic, that, you know, are fuel to get us through the day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I actually was just searching up because I have my lessons with my middle schoolers tomorrow and that's what we're going to be doing is we're going to be listening to music and highlighting things that are problematic or not problematic abusive or healthy and so some songs that i found from my search today um we can think of harry styles adore you that song is i love that song i know i love it too it's all about like fully appreciating your partner and just letting them know how much you care about them how much you appreciate and love them you adore them Um, And then we can also see in TV shows, um, I love Grey's Anatomy, and I know it can perpetuate things from problematic to not problematic, but I think it's a beautiful show that you get to watch the growth and development in relationships. Um, Yeah, and of the characters. And the characters, right? Because I think people typically think like a relationship's either immediately abusive or it's like only healthy, but we don't take into consideration that like relationships exist on a spectrum right where they start off healthy everything's so grand you're having a good time and then you start to notice those red flags right and then if red flags go unnoticed unaccounted for if there's not that communication and boundary setting they can head into the abusive side right and when we're thinking about in Grey's Anatomy I think they portray that really well of like how relationships fluctuate and how friends can support each other right. and like point out like hey Derek is not the son Meredith like you are the most important person in your life you know right, like, that's something her friend told her Christina yeah. Yang um and even when we're just thinking about is iconic yeah <laughs> or when we're just thinking about like relationship dynamics in general in that show something that I think is important to point out is that those subliminal power dynamics that we don't really pay attention right. to. Right, like they're all the bosses. Derek, yeah. um, Burke, mm-hmm. Owen. Yeah. Like all of them are bosses and they're interns. So that's yeah. why that does mess with the relationship where they're like, I, you need, I need to treat you like an employee. So you need to work here. You need to do this. Like that, that is a part of their relationship that they both signed up for. Yeah. Right. Because they both knew that this is why you're not allowed to date your attending because because it messes with your work it does those power dynamics they're real right like thinking about the access that they can have from dating their boss or even the limitations right exactly so it's like they could get more surgeries Mm -hmm. or they could have a surgery so that could be like harassment in a sense like say they got in an argument at home and then they get to work and your boss who's also your boyfriend or husband is like no go do something else exactly because like, i don't want to see your face i was like it's couldn't some of these be harassment yeah, like in a workplace oh, definitely. where it's like i'm not letting you do your job because i'm mad at you because you yeah. didn't do the dishes or something else and that's why a lot of jobs don't allow boss and employee relationships right um of course if you're dating married or whatever before the right. employment being very transparent with your hr but Right. A lot of things can come from that right. power dynamic. True. And yeah. it's fiction. So. Yeah, true. And it's a TV show. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what, any other shows that you um, we forgot or that you want to mention? 
I can't think of any right now. I got a goldfish brain. If I okay. had more in my brain, I would. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, um, what is your favorite part of your job of working at Leap? Yeah. So, just to wrap things up, I absolutely love my job. Right. For me, I always say it's very inner. It's like healing for my inner child. Right. Um, I had the idea of what I wanted to do as my career and of course that might change as I grow as a person but for right now I have known I've always wanted to get this prevention education at younger audiences right because something I always say is for prevention education to be truly preventative it has to start early on right, right yeah like we can't rely on being 20 and having our life revelation anymore you know right um so I just love my main thing is I love being with those kids. Like I love talking with them, seeing the light bulbs go off in their mind, or even seeing how smart and aware that they are of these topics already. Yeah. Like when I'm talking with my kids in classes, a lot of them, they can tell you explicitly what an unhealthy relationship is, how you feel in it, what it looks like. And they can also tell you how you feel in a healthy relationship. So I love being able to build off their knowledge and just really being super intentional and letting yeah. them know that there's someone there for them to support them, to be there for them. Oh, yes. <laughs> I agree. That's so sweet. I love kids. Well, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's good to teach them all, all these things yeah. because it's good. You can, you're never too young to learn no. about consent. No, never too young. And before yes. I leave y'all, I would love to just leave with some resources and support. Um, since we mentioned Weave and we've been talking about all of this, I really want anyone to know if they're listening to this podcast, when they're listening to it, that Weave is here to support you, right? We have a 24-7 support and information line. And if you're ever experiencing anything that we've talked about on this podcast, or if it makes you think of something a friend has experienced, maybe a family member, and you just want to talk to someone, work through some things, understand your own experiences, give Weave a call at 916-920-2952. Or if you don't want to talk to someone on the phone, on our website at weaveinc.org, there's a chat function where you can seek support. You can chat someone online to get support. Whatever that looks like, Weave will be able to help you out. And if we can't, we'll find a way to give you resources outside of our organization. And then, super fun, if you are 18 years or older, check out our employment opportunities, right? So we're currently hiring on our website, the one I mentioned, weaveinc.org. Sign up to be a volunteer. If this podcast sparked something in you, you want to work at Weave, you want to volunteer at Weave, come join us. We would love to grow our community, to get more folks out there supporting survivors and advocating for a world without violence. Yes, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> and yes, I can second that. I'm very excited to be a part of this organization. Met a lot of great people and I'm excited to do the work. I'm still in training at the moment. I will put all the information in the description of this episode so if you want to find out more you can always go to the website uh if you have questions you can reach out to me also but anyways thank you for listening to my podcast and i hope you all have a good day and thank you again thank for you. being here yes. i really appreciate you coming on my podcast so thank you bye, bye everyone <laughs>